Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, welcome back to the second episode of Believe Nuggets. I am your host, Asher Levy, joined by my co-host today, Gage Bridgeford. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Ash. I'm doing well. I would obviously be doing a lot better if Denver was doing better, but you can't win them all. It can't always go your way. Yep. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how the Nuggets have reinvigorated hopes that the Warriors are are title favorites because the Nuggets have gone down 2-0 in the series against said Warriors with a new Warriors death lineup being constructed. And it has been far from ideal as far as the Nuggets go. They've gotten blown out in both contests by double-digit points with relative ease. The Nuggets starting the series in Game 1 were underdogs. However, we both naively thought maybe, just maybe, they would be able to pull it out in 7. Instead, it's looking more like it'll be it's closer to looking like a sweep than a seven game series. So what are your takeaways from the Nuggets uh, lack of lack of showing in the, in the first two games? My main takeaway is that the absence of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. wouldn't fix this, but it would definitely make things a lot better. Uh, they just, there is no scoring outside of Jokic right now that you can count on. Will Barton, 5 of 15 in game two. He didn't exactly light it up in game one. Aaron Gordon has 13 points combined through two games. Mm-hmm. Those are your two guys that you're supposed to count on outside of Jokic, and they haven't given you much. There's been no defense played on the perimeter, which as we talked about in episode one, that was what was going to be key, was if the perimeter defense is lacking, this is a team that's going to make you pay. And sure enough, they have. Jordan Poole has played absolutely phenomenal and played lights out basketball through two games. Steph Curry put on a performance 12, 17, 5, 10 from three, 34 points overall. There's nothing that Jokic can do that fixes the problem. Usually that's been what has carried Denver all season long is his ability to cover up their warts. And this is a time when he can't cover up the warts anymore because there are too many to cover up and they are in areas where he is not the most proficient guy. He can't go guard Steph on the perimeter as well as try and defend the rim. He can't do both. So even if Murray and Porter were in this series, it would still be an extremely difficult test. Yeah, I mean, the the main takeaway for me is, is the defense because Denver, while they've never been – a great defense really besides that one year that they were in top 10 defensively. I, I think that was 2018, 19. That was the first season they were like on the scene. And besides that season, they've never been like a very good defensive team. However, they've always been like middling at the very worst, but in the playoffs, these past two series, because if you go back to the sun series, these issues also stand out and even Portland series, like there's just no perimeter defenders really for the Nuggets. And like Aaron Gordon has not been good defensively the series. Like he has been pretty horrendous on both ends of the floor, but the Nuggets are putting him in a situation where he is not meant to be at least defensively. Like 
he is at being asked to be a point of attack defender. And Aaron Gordon is not a point of attack defender. He is someone who you have guard bigger forwards or bigger guards. And he is being asked to guard Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson, who all are running off screens, running in pick and roll, running, you know, absurd amounts of action. And that's just kind of the warrior system. And guarding the warriors, you're going to, ideally you would ask Aaron Gordon to help off people like play the free safety role, which Draymond Green is able to do right now, because another thing is that Denver just hasn't made shots. Like, Half the problems in the series would be solved if the Nuggets could shoot, but they have never been a great three-pointing shooting team. And that flaw has continued to show, which would be helped by Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, but they still would not be out shooting the Warriors. And to beat the Warriors, you're going to either need to play half-competent defense or be able to outshoot them. Denver can do neither of which, and that is resulting in them blowing these games and... At one point in game two, they had a 12-point lead, and then 19 points later, the Warriors had scored 70 points, and they were down by double digits again. Like, they've gotten extended leads from their bench. The Nuggets have won first quarter minutes, but they just haven't been able to have sustained periods of play where they have been able to keep up with the Warriors, and that's just not going to happen against a team where you can't defend them, and they also have three of the best shooters right in the league right now, and two and the two best of all time, because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the best of all time. Steph Curry is coming off the bench and is putting up ungodly numbers in limited minutes. Klay Thompson is having himself a series, and then Jordan Poole has been the best warrior in the series, and it's a pattern with the Nuggets. They've always allowed guards to get theirs against them and it's not looking like a thing that is capable that this roster is capable of doing defending quicker guards who are able to create shots because pick and roll defense Jokic has a very specific sort of pick and roll coverage that he is able to do like drop coverage if the guard can shoot Jokic is just too heavy footed to really do a ton about that and he makes up like makes up for that by tenfold with the rest of his game, but there are flaws in his defensive game where you need a team to be able to help him. And right now he is not getting help from anybody on the defensive or offensive end of things. Like it's something that the front office is going to have to address in the off season for sure. They're going to need a makeover of the team. I, I think this is, a team where you aren't only going to be able to just retool. You have to kind of rebuild the roster around what you have in the core four, and you need to get better better defense and better shooting. And not many players are itching to come to Denver in the first place. So it's going to be an interesting ask of the front office to see, oh, are guys actually going to be able to come here? Are we going to be able to make moves? Are we going to able to be able to trade, to draft, to sign the right guys, to actually propel this team to better chances of title contention? You know, that the aspect of them being a not necessarily the biggest free agent destination is a serious issue. But at the same time, it's kind of 
it's kind of like uh, I saw I'm a Packer fan for those that don't know. I have been forever, and it's kind of, and this is kind of similar to how things are with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Everyone's like, oh well, nobody wants to play with Aaron Rodgers, and no one wants to go to Green Bay. It's like, okay, well, why not? You're getting to go play for a team that's regularly competing, and you're getting to play with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Here in Denver, it's like, oh, I don't really want to go to Denver. Well, why not? You're getting to go to a team that has made the playoffs each of the last, I believe, four years, correct? Yeah, four years. They have one of the – they have a back-to-back MVP. They have a guy who is an unselfish MVP at that. You're getting a guy who has peak LeBron levels of unselfishness. Like, think about the times back, like, early Miami days when LeBron was fine – just passing all game because they were winning. Jokic is fine doing that. I'm pretty sure that if it wasn't for Murray and Porter being out, Jokic would have no problem averaging 12, 12, and 17 a night. I think he'd be okay with that because that's what he's all about. He's about winning and doing it however he can. And if that means that he's passing to everybody else on the floor all night long, he's okay doing that. So I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to come play in Denver and wouldn't want to come play with Jokic because – the guy wants to, the guy wants nothing but to see everybody else around him succeed. So I I don't understand why De- Denver is such an anti free agent like destination. It's a fun it's a fun state to be in. It's nice. The weather's not terrible. Yeah, it gets a little cold in the winter, but other than that, it's pretty nice the rest of the year. I don't know. I think that it's it's a troubling series. It's a troubling series to see so far because another thing that I'm noticing is the so Brent Forbes went from playing this. Nest- basically no minutes down the end of the season. He played 24 minutes in game two. I don't, I don't understand how Michael Malone's brain works. Like he only played Forbes only played 14 minutes in game one. I don't understand how his brain works where he goes from guys playing not at all to guys playing a large chunk of minutes. No one off the bench played more than Forbes is 24 minutes, not no guard, no forward, nothing. So I don't know what the like logic is here. I don't know if that's just him trying to throw different things at the wall, try to see if something sticks. But I mean, Forbes is a great offensive player, but he's not necessarily the defensive player you need, which I mean, with this roster, that's kind of the problem. None of them are the defensive guys that you need. And which goes back to your point of this off season, it's going to be a serious overhaul to try and retool it, but there's only so much retooling you can do because you're going to bring back Zeke and bones Austin Rivers probably wants to come back. I don't know if you bring him back. What, like, I mean, and also three and D wings aren't exactly just available. There's a reason why there's such a high, like a hot commodity in the league. And there's a reason that they're never available to be had. So it's going, it, I don't know how Denver's going to fix this roster because they focused on building the wrong things at the wrong time. Yeah, I think with the Bryn Forbes thing that you were talking about, I think uh, Malone probably was expecting Devon Reed to be available in the playoffs because he became part of the rotation at the end of the season. Near the last legs of the season, Devon Reed was getting a lot of run. And the front office or ownership or whoever decided not to convert Devon Reed. And that was probably... Even though it would have saved them money if they had cut Faku Campazo and signed Devon Reed, it would have been cheaper to do that move. Yeah, I don't see why they didn't do it, but, you know, the the front office has a history of being loyal to a front, and that is probably what happened here. They just probably didn't want to screw over their guy in Faku, 
and they just let Devon ride the pine for this uh, postseason run. And while Devon Reed is not someone who will win you a series, he's the sort of player that you need in the rotation to be competitive in certain situations because he is a good perimeter defender, good shooter. And those are the sorts of players that you're going to need moving forward if you're the Nuggets. And it was kind of disappointing to me to see Devon Reed not get converted before I even knew how bad the series would be. And now knowing how bad the series has been, it is very concerning to see, or it's very disappointing, not concerning. And as far as this offseason goes, I mean, you look at Jamal Murray, you look at Michael Porter, and you just hope they get back healthy and then what? Because the Nuggets haven't had a great track record of making trades. The Aaron Gordon trade is a particularly good trade that they've made. But you look outside of that, the Bryn Forbes move, they moved off of P.J. Dozier, Bull Bull, and Sagan round pick to get a player who is not really a 16-game player, didn't do a ton in the regular season either, don't really see the point of having a Bryn Forbes. It moved Faku out of the rotation, but you could make the argument that Devon Reed could should have been that guy from the start. And he never got that opportunity. So you look at that move. I don't see it as a particularly positive one because they moved off PJ Dozier, who is well liked within that locker room and a, and a second round pick, be it, it was a second round pick. Those aren't super valuable, but also they are assets for a player who has been, in my opinion, a negative in his time in Denver. You look at the Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez trade, and I'm still baffled by that move now because Vanderbilt is the exact sort of player that Denver needs. Malik Beasley is a fantastic shooter, and you could have gotten more for him at the time. I understand that you didn't want to pay him what he was asking, and that was probably fair, but also you could have gotten more for a very young player with that sort of shooting capacity. And I I believe they the only thing that they still have on the roster from that move was the pick that ended up being Zeke Naji. And while I am a big Zeke Naji guy, I think Vanderbilt would have been a better piece to have at the moment. And I just don't know if I trust the front office to make a ton of good trades. And then you look towards the draft. They've had a good drafting history. The only the only bad draft they've had was the Tyler Lydon one. Outside of that, they've had a fantastic record of drafting. But most of their draft picks have been offensive-oriented, and they need to focus on defense this offseason. So I'm interested to see where their heads are at uh, come draft time because I've done a lot of draft work this season and there aren't a ton of particularly great defenders available uh, especially in the range they'd be picking at so i am interested to see whether they try and trade up whether they move off the pick which is always an option and i'm just kind of i don't know where this team goes like they have the mvp they have who is likely going to be the back-to-back mvp a top three player this season no matter who you ask the top three were probably Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic this season, and whatever order you have it in, it's valid. 
top three player. He can carry you to the playoffs. But once you get to the playoffs, that's where the question marks arise with this roster. You have Jamal Murray, who is, when when healthy, we last saw him, was an all-star caliber sort of player. He didn't make the all-star team, but he was playing at around the level of an all-star guard. You look towards Michael Porter Jr. He averaged 19 points per game the last time we saw him healthy on ridiculous efficiency, but also he's coming off of his third back operation before the age of like 24. So there are questions with those two. Is Jamal Murray going to be the same player that we saw? Is Michael Porter Jr. going to be the same player we saw? Even if both of them come back fully healthy, 100%, which is possible. Sports medicine is absurd nowadays. We've come so far, even in the last decade, with sports te- with sports medicine technology. Like Derek Rose, he fell off. Jamal Murray will probably come back and be the same player that we saw just because of innovations in sports medicine. But even if they come back 100% healthy, this team doesn't have what it takes to beat the elite of the elite in playoff series. This team isn't a team that is going to be someone who can beat title contenders in series. They haven't shown that capacity. They got swept by the Suns. They got laughed out of the out of the playoffs by the Suns. That's about to happen with the Warriors too. And Jamal Murray and MPJ are fantastic players, but they don't address the issues that lead that are the leading questions in these series. They fix a lot of the offensive problems, but defensively is where you get questions. And Jamal Murray would actually address some of the defensive concerns because he is a good defender. But I just have issues seeing the role players surrounding them right now being contributors towards what the Nuggets want to do. I think Bones is going to be a fantastic player. But besides him, I don't see a ton of the bench talent being brought back. And that sort of roster turnover is going to be interesting to see. It will absolutely be interesting to see. However, before we start focusing on the offseason, we've had enough doom and gloom here. Denver's down 0-2. The odds aren't great. Phoenix, or Golden State is now the favorite to win the the NBA championship this year, the NBA Finals. Part of that is how good they've looked so far. Part of that is also the fact that Devin Booker got hurt, and we don't know how serious his injury is going to be. But how can I? How can Denver win this series in your mind? Because for me, it breaks down to a few simple, simple things. One, there's no way the Warriors are going to keep shooting as well as they're shooting right now. I understand that people are going to be like, oh, well, they're getting open shots and Denver can't play defense, so there's that. Okay, Jordan Poole has 59 points on 29 on 29 shots so far. He's 10 of 16 in 10 of 16 in game two, 9 of 13 in game one. He's 5 of 7 and 5 of 10. So he's 10 of 17. That's unsustainable shooting. That's just it's not possible. So shooting is going to regress some. So I'm going to factor that in slightly. Additionally, Will Barton in game one, I, I want to retract my statement from earlier. He was 10 of 18 in game one. He had two, two of six from three, six rebounds, five assists, and a block. Yeah, he was minus 14, but then again, so was everybody else in the starting lineup was also negative. He had 24 points. He was one of three guys, Jokic being, or one of four guys, Jokic, Monte Morris with 10, and Bones Highland with 10 to score double digits in game one. 
So he had a good game one. I'll give him that. Aaron Gordon has to be able to do more here. I think that Aaron, I think Aaron Gordon offensively, not like defensively, yes, he needs to step up. But I think offensively, Aaron Gordon can help unlock a lot of what this team wants to do. Because I don't think Andrew Wiggins is that good of a defender. I don't think that Klay Thompson can handle Aaron Gordon. I understand everyone wants to talk about how good Klay Thompson is as a defender. Well, guess what? Aaron Gordon is a six foot six, two hundred and thirty or six foot eight, two hundred and thirty pound muscled out human being who can bully guards. And guess what? He can bully Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson is not the defender he was when the Warriors were in their peak run. He's not he's not bad, but he's not as good as he was. And I think that if you can get Aaron Gordon involved and use his physicality on the offensive end, that then opens up the floor for Jokic and everyone else. Because either you have to put Draymond Green on Aaron Gordon, which you're not going to do because Draymond's guarding Jokic, or Aaron Gordon has a plus matchup that he can exploit if you can get him into advantageous spots. On the offensive end, I think that's a piece that they need to explore more. I understand that he's he was 3 of 9 in Game 2, and in Game 1 he was 3 of 10. So it's not like he's doing he's done anything great, but... He took, he's taken seven, he's taken seven three-point attempts in two games. I think that he needs to get a, get attacking, get out in transition, run more, and attack the basket more for this team to be successful on offense because guess what? What they're doing now isn't working. So something different has to happen. I think that you asked me what the Nuggets can do to win the series. Uh, I don't think they can do anything to win the series and even taking into account shooting variants. I think the Warriors, with the quality of looks they're getting, even if Jordan Poole doesn't get uh, as many shots in, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson will make up for that. And like, I think even if they, they fall off a little bit, which I think is a fair assumption to make, I think that the Nuggets just don't have enough firepower. Well, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that I'm predicting Denver comes back and reverses the series. Yeah. I think that Golden State's going to win the series. I'm more getting at what do you think if Denver was going to turn the tide and come back, barring just un- an unforeseen amount of injuries, what do you think mm-hmm. could happen? What do you think they could do? That's more what I'm getting at. Okay. To make the series competitive, I think Aaron Gordon is the biggest swing factor, like you mentioned. Uh, he has been very... I don't know if passive is the right word I'd use, but he has settled for a lot of jumpers lately and he has not gotten to the rim. And I think Malone should explore that. Like you said, like I think taking him and putting him in an inverted pick and roll with Jokic would be better than what they're doing. But even then like Draymond green is right there and he is someone who has given Denver a lot of issues. And I think that Aaron Gordon should have like actions run for him that just get him more towards the restricted area. I think with him, you need to build his offensive game from inside out. And he has taken a lot of mid range jumpers and three pointers. And that is just not Aaron Gordon's game when he is at his best. When he's at his best, he's putting guys in the basket. And that is something that he just needs to do. Even Malone called it out after game one, before game two. He said he told Gordon, put him in the basket. And nothing changed in game two. So I'm interested to see if 
Aaron Gordon can do that. And I think he's capable of it physically. It's just, is he going to do that in a series? And that is the biggest thing for Denver. Because when he gets to the rim, there's not many people who can do things about that. But he's just not forcing himself to the rim right now. As far as other things, they just need to communicate better defensively. They've been putting Joker in a lot of unfortunate situations for him. Like there are times where he has to just pick up Clay Thompson on a fast break. And then, you know, through Warriors shenanigans, he ends up on Curry. And then that's just not a matchup that he's meant for. He is a seven footer trying to guard a six, three quick, quick as hell, best shooter of all time guard. That's not who Jokic is good against defensively. And it's a lot of it has to do with defensive communication and just defensive discipline. And I think a lot of that has been loosening since Wes Unseld left the team. And like last season, it wasn't particularly great either, but it has been worse this season. And I think you just need to help Joker more on offense. You can't have the next highest scoring guy be 12 points on, I think Monte Morris did it on like nine shots or something like that. And Will Barton did it on 15. five of eight, two of three from three of one on free throws. And uh, yeah. Will Barton five of 15 overall, two of four on threes, no free throws. Yeah. Those can't be your second best defensive option or offensive options. You are going to need guys to just step up. And whether the Nuggets can do that or not, I guess we'll see. Because if they get swept, that is going to be a very embarrassing situation for Denver. And that will be the second time in two series that they have been laughed off the floor. If they can make it at least a respectable six or even a respectable five, that will be better than what they've shown. And it will give me a little more optimism about the team moving forward. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, like I said, I'm not, I don't think Denver wins this series. Uh, we were definitely a little optimistic at the start. Uh, the fact we also recorded before we knew Steph Curry was for sure going to play in game one. Steph did. He was mostly, he didn't have his best game. Uh, definitely had a great game in game two. I don't think Denver wins the series. I don't. But I do think that I will, but I want to see at least fight and I want to see life. I don't want to see something that you can build on moving forward. Whatever, whenever I'm coaching, like I coach baseball, whenever I coach and if someone makes a mistake or if they're having an off game, I'm like, okay, so you've had a, you played terrible for, for the whole game, do something and finish the game strong and build that on that for the next game. Had a kid, he had, he got rocked as a pitcher all night long. He had get, he had struck out three times in his three at bats I was like, okay, yeah, you've had a terrible game. It happens. I was like, go up, go up and do something. And and I know everyone listening is going to be like, this didn't actually happen. It did. He hit a, he hit a home run on the second pitch of his at, next at bat in the bottom in the bottom of the seventh inning. They lost like I think they lost seven four. So the the hit didn't matter, but it did from the standpoint of it took him and he was able to build on that moving forward. If Denver can't do anything, as you said, make it a respectable, even a respectable five or six then the, what's the point? Like, If you're going to lose these games, at least show growth and show development and give yourself something to build on next year when you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. That's that's ultimately what I think the key is here. And I know people are going to be like, well, 
you're competing in the playoffs, you're supposed to be competing for championships. You're not supposed to be trying to just get better. Well, every game, no matter the level, no matter the the importance of the game or whatever, you should always be trying to get better every single time that you go on the floor. Otherwise, there's no point. So as long as Denver shows fight and shows something tangible that they, you can hold on to and say, this is what we're building on for next year, that'll be a win in my book. Even if it doesn't go down as a win in the actual scorebook, it'll be a win in my book if they can show tangible growth. Yeah, I think they just, they've seemed mentally checked out at points in the series, and that's just not something I think should happen. They've all seemed super fatigued the series, and it just seems like some guys are ready for the season to be over. And that is the attitude I don't want to see. That is not conducive to a winning team, and... Ryan uh, calls it out a lot, and I think it's also important to build championship habits. Champions have fight in them, and that's a thing that the Nuggets are going to need to show. The last time that they seriously showed fight was the bubble, and that grew the team a lot. That gave a lot of people confidence in the team. And even if we can see that for the last three games of a series, as long as you don't get swept and go out very, very disappointingly, I think that it can be considered to a certain extent a positive. And I think if the Nuggets can at least build some habits of a championship team, it gives a lot more just optimism for the future. So, Asher, we'll probably be back here after game four, if I'd have to guess. Mm-hmm. you got any predictions for the next two games? And then do you want to get out of here? Yeah, that sounds good to me. So, my predictions, as much as I'd like to see fight, as much as I'd like to see spirit, I just don't see it happening with this current uh, situation and how the roster has responded to adversity this postseason. I think the Warriors might end up sweeping the Nuggets. I think... Best case scenario, Jokic puts up a really good game three or game four. The Nuggets are able to steal one, and then they probably go out in five against the Warriors in Golden State in game five. I just don't see Actually, if it, if I remember game. correctly, isn't game five in Denver because the first round is 2-3-2? Two, two? Oh, is it? Okay. I, well, I, believe then... that, I believe that's the case. I believe it's 2-3-2. Two, and then after this round, it goes back to two two one one one, which is what okay. all three rounds should be, but for whatever reason, they're not. Okay. Well, either way, I don't think it really changes much. And even in Denver, the Nuggets fans are not known for packing the house. So, you know, uh, they might as well be playing in Golden State half the time. So just in general, I don't have much optimism for this series. I think the Warriors probably sweep it or get a gentleman's in. How about you? Uh, I think it's five. I don't know if they win. I don't know if Denver wins game three or game four, but I think they win one of them. I think that it's a Jokic game where Jokic does a signature, has a signature moment for the season. I think that one of Will Barton, Monte Morris, or Bones Highland gets hot with him and shoots really well off, shoots really well to compliment him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that helps carry them to at least one win. I'm going five though. I don't think that this Denver team is built to beat this Warriors team. 
I think that the only way that it would have been a game or a series where Denver was able to come out on top was if Jokic was getting a very favorable whistle. We have already seen that he is not getting that. He has he only had eight free throws in game two. He got hacked a lot. That's ultimately what got him ejected was after he was arguing foul calls. So I think that Denver isn't going to be able to just withstand the onslaught of Golden State, and uh, it'll be a five-game series. Yeah, I think that's more than fair. Joker has shown that he is built for the playoffs. He's had great runs throughout both uh, or all three of his previous playoff runs. He's been not fantastic this series, but, I mean, he's done all you can expect him to, really. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had a signature game. With that being said, uh, anything you need to, anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here, or can we bounce? Nah, you can find all my work on Twitter at GBridge for NFL. Still doing uh, Film Friday every Friday over at DenverStiffs.com. Uh, occasional roundtables and other odds and ends, nuggets wise, there. Uh, and then I have other fancy football, football, basketball baseball content over on my Twitter as well. Cool. You can find me at Asher Levy MBA on Twitter, and you can also find me on stiffs doing editorials and I'll be manning the draft coverage for stiffs this off season as well. So if you're interested in any of that, you know where to find me and Brid, uh, me and Gage. So with that being said, hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.